Hello and welcome to That's Hockey Talk coming to you a couple games into the first round of the NHL playoffs getting ready for the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, of course, AQ Shipley joining me as always out in the desert. You look good today. You look like you got a nice little tan. How are you, buddy? I'm, I'm great, man. I got the, I'm got. i trying to figure out this lighting thing. I think I got to figure it out, though. Yeah, it's always a struggle with you and technology, but we figure it out. We fight through it. And then uh, just a little bit north of you out there on the West Coast as well, our Canadian friend Gumpy. How you doing, pal? Great. This hockey all night long, man. Last night it finished at about 11 over here. It was beautiful. You got to be loving it on the West Coast because you're just it's just all morning and all night for you. You just get it all, take it all in. It's the best thing going right now, by far. Playoff hockey is the best thing going. a boy. I'm glad we've converted you a little bit because you're such a hardcore basketball guy. You've come over to the dark side. I love it. Uh, let's start off with the series that I think is most interesting to me, at least. Uh, the, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Boston Bruins. Uh, I picked the Hurricanes to win this series because I thought they looked that damn good in the qualifying round. Turns out, in the, uh, yeah, in the qualifying round, turns out little did I know that the Bruins were just basically at the bar every night getting shit-tanked and hammered and uh, waking up playing their round-robin games, just treating them like exhibition games because they came out and they looked pretty damn good in Game 1 of their series. Uh, the Hurricanes were able to even it up in Game 2, uh, but this has been this has been even-steven the whole way through. These are two teams that are evenly matched. They both play well in both ends of the ice. The Hurricanes are deep on D, and, and to be honest, they probably could have won Game 1 if it wasn't for... Uh, Peter Mrazek just getting a little too aggressive in the net. He was all over the crease, just sliding left, sliding right, way over challenging on shots, and it ended up costing them on that Bergeron goal uh, in double OT. And then we get into uh, game two. They throw in James Reimer, who looked a little shaky. I'm going to be honest, he made the saves he needed to make, but he didn't look comfortable in net, but they, they get the win with a Dougie Hamilton blast. Big Dougie Hamilton blast. That was a big boost for the Carolina Hurricanes. We talked about it. They look like the best by far in the qualifying rounds. And then um, I think we, you and I both picked them, and we were both hot on them going into this thing. Can't ever take you can't ever take Boston for granted, though. I no. mean, they're, they're they're a top team for the last fifteen years, ten years, whatever it is. And um, you know they they got they got a great core, they got a great group of young guys, and they came out firing on all cylinders. It's going to be pretty evenly matched series moving forward. I'm I'm excited to see where this thing goes. Do Tuka Rask comments worry you at all? Uh, Tuca's always kind of been a head case So to be honest, no And goalies are notoriously weird So if you haven't heard the comments that he said were uh, Considering I had This was after game two He said, considering I had four months off So not in my prime shape, but trying to get there um, I'm just trying to have fun and play the game I'm not stressing too much about the results and whatnot It's August, I haven't played hockey in forever Just go out there, have fun, see what happens then this was this was that was like okay yeah you know maybe that's just a guy who's just super relaxed playoff you know it doesn't bother him then he said this which was which was the money quote to be honest with you it doesn't really feel like playoff hockey there's no fans it's kind of like you're playing an exhibition game obviously there's some scrums after the whistle i haven't noticed that they would be targeting me or whatnot things happen people falling on you and whatnot but definitely not a playoff atmosphere that one makes you kind of raise your eyebrows a little bit and be like huh like, I get it. There's no fans. But at the same time, like, the stakes are legit, man. This is it. Like, you may say it doesn't feel like playoff hockey, but it is. This is going in the record books. These all count. These games are serious. You lose these games, you're going home. So I yeah, gotta- that's a real shitty comment, I think, too, because you watch Braden Point when he gets the game winner in 17 overtimes. Yeah. That motherfucker, that motherfucker 
thought it was he, he just won the Stanley Cup. I mean, Those boys are celebrated. Yeah, so I think that's a bullshit comment, to be honest. Uh, he's probably just trying to downplay the whole situation and act like it. But at the end of the day, everybody knows what's at stake. You, you get your name put on that cup. Everybody knows that. Let's not act like this is some exhibition because there's no fans. At the end of the day, you get your name on that cup in, in, in whatever it is, a month and a half or whatever. Everybody knows what they're playing for. It, it, and it does seem a little strange coming from that guy who's, like I said, is a head case. The guy who breaks his stick over the crossbar and fucking whips it into the stands uh, in a shootout loss in the minor leagues is now saying that the playoff games, because there are no fans, is a little uh, – it just doesn't feel the same. I, I, I don't know, Gumpy, how to rub you. Uh, it's just weird to me. This Bruins team, to me, there's something off right now. I don't know. Bergeron's the same way. He doesn't seem like he's playing as – or not Bergeron, sorry. Marshawn's not playing as well. Yeah. There's just something that's missing there. Maybe it is the fans getting them pissed off, riling up the crowd. They just seem a little off, and I think the Hurricanes are – Prime to take this series right now. And then you see Posternock celebrating the overtime goal in game one, ends up hurting himself, which may be uh, just a tweak on what was nagging him going into the playoffs. Because if you remember, uh, during a couple of round robin games or getting into the practices and whatnot, he was deemed unfit to play and it wasn't COVID related. So seems like he's got some type of core abdomen issue going on there because if you saw him celebrate and he puts his arms up after that goal behind the net and then he immediately hunches down and winces and grabs himself. So you look at you look at the Gus Ferrats of the world, the Bill Grammaticas, a uh, tough way to go out injuring yourself on a celebration. But I think he was playing hurt already, and I think he may have just tweaked whatever was, was bothering him. But that's a big loss. I mean, that's a 50-goal guy. That is a premier goal scorer in this league. He is the the icing on the cake on that line of him, Bergeron, and Marchand. If he can't play, that is a significant swing in Carolina's favor, who already has a good advantage on the back end. Jacob Slavin, one of the most underrated guys in the league. Hayden Flurry's playing well. Uh, like I said, if they can if they can figure it out with their goaltending, they're going to be in good shape. And then on the opposite end of the Bruins, kind of lackadaisical, uh, not-so-fired-up approach, you get Rod Brindamore, who is pissed off he gets fined 25k after uh the game because of his comments on the refereeing saying uh this is why the this is why the league's a joke in my opinion uh that one is a crime scene regarding the overturned goal call where the two players go up to bat the puck out of the air you can't really tell who touched it because nbc has 30 cameras but somehow only two camera angles on who hits this puck out of the air it goes on net which could be a hand pass on net which should have been blown dead uh, they're arguing it should have been goaltender interference because the guys dig the puck out of the goalie's glove. I don't buy that. Like I'm, you play till the whistle, and there was no whistle. So if you're hacking and whacking the goalie's glove and you knock that puck loose, it's loose. And uh, you know the Bruins get uh, take the lead off that. Then of course, hockey gods, puck don't lie. The shorthanded breakaway by Brock McGinn to tie the game after that Carolina a couple seconds later. So I I don't feel bad for Brindamore because the guy's made fifty million in his career. So it, it's not a big chunk out of his wallet to have to pay that fine. But it was good of him to go out there and say something, at least stick up for his guys and show his guys that he's he's invested. He's willing to put himself out there. Uh, what's your guys' take on this? Because there was a whole uh, a goal review situation in game two with Tavo Teravainen bumping into Rask, and that one was disallowed. I've never understood why it's okay to find coaches after making comments about the referees. Like I've never understood that. I really don't because at the end of the day, it's, it's human error, right? Like they're, they can make mistakes. Why are we not allowed to call them on making a mistake? Why are players coaches not allowed to call? Like, why are we holding them to some almighty rule that they can, they can fuck up everything 
They could literally like cost you a game, but we're not allowed to say anything about that or else you get fined. Like I don't under I've never understood that. I love when coaches do it. I love when coaches just disregard the whole fact knowing they're gonna get fined. And it, it tells your team that, hey, listen, like we're willing to we're willing to do whatever we can to have your back and keep this thing, you know, in, in our favor. It might go against us at the end of the day, but you know damn well I got your back. I think for me on the the goal, I mean, you have to choose what you're challenging. When you're challenging a goal, it should be whatever you want. You know what I mean? You shouldn't have to choose. You should have to decide whether it's a good goal or not. I agree with that because Brendan Moore did make the points like, well, what, what, what is it? What is it? We challenged the hand pass. We challenged the goaltender interference. Now, again, because of the circumstances, I think the call on the ice was a goal and it and it and they held up and it was correct because, in my opinion, NBC was the one that fucked it up because you have, like we said, they, they were toting about how they were going to have all these cameras all over the place. You're going to see angles you'd never seen before. We haven't really seen that. We talked about it in the last episode. Um, and then you have a situation like this where it would be extremely useful uh, in a high stakes game and there's no replays. There's two replays and you can't see who touched that puck. It was mind blowing to me. So that one's all on NBC. I think the refs got it right there. And to your point, AQ, it's, it's a good point. It's a legit question because they present this image like these guys are above reproach and they don't make mistakes, but they do all the time. They make mistakes all the time. All the time. And for them to not be able to be open to criticism is is just mind numbing to me because if they're not being able to be criticized by the coaches who are arguably the closest thing to their peers in that profession and the players like they they can just take it from the fans because we have no pull we have no impact we have no reach right and the pundits on tv can say whatever they want they might get beat up on the radio and on tv but the coaches that word carries weight in that league and in, and through that business so it's it's tough and i just also 25k seemed outrageous to me for for what he said like uh, maybe five you know the slap on the wrist i don't know and i don't know if this is his first time or second time going through this and that's why it was so much but that was just absolutely outrageous to me but that one again you know i picked carolina did you pick carolina q i did yeah so this is going to be a good series i think it's it, by the looks of it we got it looks like it should go seven games because these guys are so evenly matched and, and carolina i feel like hasn't played their best hockey even yet so We'll see. Uh, let's talk about the OT that you mentioned earlier, Columbus and Tampa series. First game, they start out going to five OTs. Just absolutely outrageous. Two full games. Guys are playing six, Seth Jones and Victor Hedman playing 60 minutes. Uh, I, I've never seen anything like it, really, in terms of still, too, like the quality of play wasn't completely terrible. The players were gassed. But they were still go there were still some guys with some jump and they were still which just goes to speak volumes to these guys' conditioning levels. Uh and Corpusalo has been next level unreal for Columbus. I think we all thought Elvis Merlikens might get the start because of how good of a how good of a stretch of play he had there before the break, the rookie goaltender for Columbus. But Corpusalo, listen to this. 962 save percentage in the six games so far. He stopped uh, the first 57 shots he faced. He got the shutout in the do or die game. He made 85 saves in that 5 OT playoff game. Uh, and he's doing it, he's done it versus the first and fourth highest scoring teams from the regular season. So uh, what this guy's doing is literally inhuman. It's unbelievable. And I thought Tampa was going to come in prepared after they got swept by Columbus last year, after that historic season. And they come in banged up. They're missing Steve Stamkos. Hedman, it was a question of if he was going to play or not in game two. He shows up. He plays a full game, a full hour, which was impressive enough. But I was blown away by Columbus's just inability to be phased by anything. 
You knew Tampa was going to come at them after what happened last year. It, it didn't matter. Just Columbus is the same team no matter what what the stakes. It, it just doesn't matter. Whatever you throw at them, they just keep coming. Yeah, it's been impressive. I mean, it's been impressive to watch. The goaltending's obviously been incredible. Just a quick little note on the on the five OT game. I mean, it was you know you talked about the conditioning. It was absolutely incredible. And to talk and to talk about Hedman, Hedman made a play in the fifth overtime. I don't know if you guys watched it, but there was about to be a breakaway, and he skates back, hits the puck out of oh, the yeah. air, and makes an unbelievable defensive play in the fifth overtime, which not only speaks to his conditioning, especially after being banged up, but always and it also speaks to his ability to focus, like at a critical, critical moment while being dead after in the middle of a five-overtime game. Very easy. From- to your point, very easy to take a penalty there as a defenseman. Very easy to stick a stick in a guy's midsection or just get it up around his hands. And the refs will call that every time, even if it's close, even if it's not a penalty mm-hmm. just because of the appearance. He didn't do any of that. He played it absolutely no. perfectly. It was incredible. And it, and just, you know, it just shows that, you know, big-time players making a big-time play in a game where you need it, you know, was 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 – was big for him. I mean, nobody wanted to lose that game, which I think we can all kind of argue or or say that, you know, watching an NHL overtime playoff loss might be the most gut-wrenching thing to oh, watch. Like man. just, you know, you watch them pour their hearts out and then it's just one goal in a quick split second and a team just goes from there to there like immediately. It's it's tough to watch, but I mean, a heck of a series. This is going to be fun to watch too. Uh, I think we were we were all excited for this series moving forward and um, it's proved to be pretty awesome TV to watch. Yeah, to your point on that as well, like the gut-wrenching factor that I thought that could really swing things for Tampa because they they come out last year, they get swept. They come in this year, they get this big emotional victory after this hard-fought game. And then in game two, Columbus goes out and uh, Wenberg scores one of the nastiest goals you'll ever see, putting it through his legs and then, a, and then just a shooter's shot finding the back of the net. And, and they come out in the even series. And again, it's like, Nothing phases them. Nothing. Nothing. Tortorella, man. It all starts with the coach. I love his approach. I love the way he coaches. I love his attitude with the media. I love everything about the way that guy coaches and operates. And I think it trickles down from him to his to his players. He's uh, the perfect guy for this team. Yep. Okay, here, Gumpy. He didn't work out in Vancouver. Go ahead. Does he get too much credit, though, for this? Like, you're, you see the numbers that Corpusalo is putting up. Like 962 save percentage, that is, that's that's just unbelievable. That doesn't happen. You know what I mean? Is Torts getting too much credit, or is he just riding? Is he riding a hot goaltender, or is he just he just has the finger of the pulse of this team so so much that they're they're just completely bought in? I think with Torts, he may get too much credit for something like this, but he also would get too much credit when things went wrong in Vancouver. You know what I mean? Too much blame, yeah. And he said that. With Torts, it's always going to be higher on whatever level it is, good or bad. And I think that's what you're seeing here. I think the GM deserves a lot of credit for making some moves too. Garmo Kekalainen, because they lose Matthew Shane, they lose Bobrovsky, and they lose Artemi Panarin, who's an MVP candidate this year. And all three of those guys and their teams are out of the playoffs. And here's Columbus still chugging along. And then, to, yeah, to your point, uh, when Torts and the Blue Jackets beat the Leafs, he went to the media and he spoke and he said, you know, oftentimes, it literally in defense of Sheldon Keefe, the Leafs head coach, oftentimes when these series happen, coaches get too much credit for the win and too much blame when things go wrong. So Torts, kind of a good guy, kind of a good guy. He's got just got the perfect blend for him on this Columbus team. 
There's no real superstar, you know what I mean? There's a lot of good players. And I feel with, with young guys, he can mold Vancouver when he had the Sedins at the end of their career, yeah. trying to make the penalty kill. I mean, he's just perfect for this Columbus team. Yeah, you're right. No, no, like, and Columbus has skill, but no, like, super elite, high end skill guys. A lot of their guys just uh, fucking grinders to the max. Uh, Pierre Luc Dubois, though, he's the guy who's coming along. They've been missing a number one center for a long time. Looks like he's going to be that guy. And then Seth Jones and Wierenski on the back end, just uh, about as elite of a defensive pair as you can get. Let's jump over to Vegas and Chicago. Uh, Chicago coming in with a lot of momentum, taking care of the Oilers. I think a lot of people were like, yeah, Chicago's back. They're a young team with their veteran core and Taze and Kane and Duncan Keith. Corey Crawford was playing well. Here they come. And then Vegas just steamrolling right now with Robin Leonard. And, and that team, that Vegas team is so deep. There's just so much talent and skill on every line and every defensive pair. And then in that, like Flurry's on the bench. Flurry's riding the bench and Leonard's in there and he's playing hot. And it's like, uh, Chicago's climbing back into these games. Vegas is letting them back in, but then Vegas finds a way to win, and they just shut the door on them. Yeah, Vegas looks great. I mean, we've – I think we kind of uh, put them a little bit on the back burner. I think we kind of underestimated a little bit of kind of who they were this year, especially, you know, with the with the shaky start. Oh, yeah. Um, firing the coach. They, firing the coach. You know, I think we kind of had them like a little bit on the back burner, but they seem like they got a, a renewed vigor here, and they look good, and – the riding Robin Leonard, which I don't think any of us expected or maybe not even agreed with, because I know I certainly didn't agree with it. Oh, we know Matt's your uh, guy. You know, and you knew you had a great goaltender sitting there on the bench, and it's like, man, we're going to go with this guy, and, and he's making him look good. He's, he hasn't looked the best, don't get me wrong, but he's given him enough to get wins, and I think you hit it on the head. I mean, depth is the key for them. I mean, they are deep as shit, and they are rolling right now. Yeah, I think if the Blackhawks were going to get back into it, they would have won that game last night. They had the momentum going. And they still lost it at the end. It feels like this is Vegas to lose here now. Yeah, and it's tough because it's not like the Blackhawks are, are playing poorly. They're still playing pretty well, I feel like. But Vegas is just, there's so much there to tackle and just so many lines to roll through. Like, they got Thomas Nosek on their fourth line. And, I mean, he's just, it, it, it kind of hurts to watch because you look at, it's an expansion team, right? And they're only, we're, we're still calling them an expansion team, even though they're two, three years in the league now. They shouldn't have been able to be this good this fast and now they're setting standards and expectations across the league seattle's got a lot to a lot to live up to uh let's jump over to philly montreal back in the east the flyers another team that we kind of slept on and mm. his uh well no sleeping here we no bullshit we did just because you picked them to go to the finals in in your bracket doesn't mean before that you were you were sleeping on them a little bit carter hart looks like everything he was projected to be right now uh he's became the seventh goaltender in nhl history to win his first three playoff games before the age of 22 let's not forget this guy is young uh eddie lack on twitter former nhl goalie said carter hart's the best goalie i've seen since i saw carrie price for the first time and that is huge praise because carrie was a standard bearer for a decade uh and then not to mention carrie price's stick safe in this in this series that was Maybe the best save I've seen in a decade. That was unbelievable. He had no business stopping that puck. He was out of the crease on his back, rolls over. Scott Lawton's got a wide open net in the in the fucking slot, in the high danger area. He bangs it home, and then Carey just reaches out with his, with his paddle and gets a deflection on it over the net. Just unbelievable. Uh, Montreal played him tight, though. I think 
Uh, people probably expected Montreal to run out of gas or maybe the momentum to wear off a little bit after the Penguins, but that Flyers team can score, and they still they still played them pretty damn tight. No, I agree. I mean, it's it's, it's going to be. I mean, if you're a fan of goaltending, this is the series to watch. I mean, if these are two of the best in the league, one of the one of them is a young guy who's going to be the franchise for the next however many years he wants to be, and uh, Carey Price still doing Carey Price things. I think Montreal plays a, a style where they kind of cram it in in the neutral zone on defense. And they, they really pack it in tight down low. So it really, for the Pittsburgh team, for this Philly team that has high power scoring, it, it makes it difficult at times for these teams. But Philly's still finding a way to win. Philly's still proven to be, you know, kind of that hot team that they were before COVID yep. hit, right? And now they're they're continuing that trend. And it was my pick for them to go because I thought they looked the hottest in the round robin. I thought they looked the hottest and kind of, uh, before the thing, and they picked up right where they left off. They got a ton of offensive talent. Kevin Hayes has been an unbelievable boost to that team, and uh, yeah, that, that's where I got. Go Philly! You're I know unbelievable. The Yenzers are gonna fucking hate. I can't. Me. I can't I even so stomach sorry. you right now. I know. I know. I don't know what you want me to say. It's one of the most despicable turncoat things I've ever seen. It's like it's like being a, it's like being a married man. You love your wife. You're sitting at the bar. You're having dinner with your wife. You're sitting at the table in the booth. You're sitting on the same side of the booth because you're that couple. You're that you're that much in love with each other. And then you see your ex walk by, your bitter ex. She cheated on you. You hate her guts, but she's looking good tonight, and you just can't take your eyes off her. You're just... I was dry heaving in the corner as I was filling out this fucking bracket. Let's not get that mistaken. Dry heaving. Literally dry heaving. But I I can only go with what my eyes see. My eyes see a team that is poised to make a run for the cup. Dumpy, what's your thoughts? You disgust me. I think you saw last game you see how hard the Canadians have to work I mean Shea Weber gets that goal to tie it up they grinded to get that game tied and then right off the face off the Flyers come back down and score right away I mean it's going to be an absolute grind for the Canadians to get anything in these games the other series in the east that uh was a bit surprising to me in terms of the physicality Washington and the Islanders of course, Barry Trotz now coaching the Islanders. One guided Washington to the cup a couple of years ago. Goes over to the island. They lose John Tavares. Matty Barzell's the guy now. They're they're playing the team defense. They had Robin Leonard turning big time performances to them. He ends up leaving in free agency, and they bring in Varlamov, former Caps goalie. Little storyline there. And then you know the Caps they played pretty well through the round robin you know nothing nothing to be too alarmed at at least i didn't think so but it's, i had a couple caps fans tweet at me like oh you picked the caps to win the series like you 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 don't you haven't been watching i'm like guys i get it like that's a team though that turns it on now come playoff time that's a team like you got alex ovechkin you got you got john carlson you got as evgeny kuznetsov these are guys who step up in the playoffs and then carlson was banged up but he was back for the first game and there was some fisticuffs there was a lot of there was a lot of rough stuff going on i was very impressed by the islanders stepping up and playing that physical game because i thought that's what washington would want them to do would buy into that game but it didn't seem to bother the islanders they they emerged with the 4-2 victory in game one yeah it's gonna be interesting i mean i think we all thought you know obviously with how well the caps Played last year, winning the cup. Um, coming in this year, I mean, you got you got to have them at the top, if not close to it, especially with the way they played during the regular season. And they they have looked a step down from where they were. Now, don't get me wrong; I think they can still turn it on because they got the, the players, they got the, the no goalie, Backstrom they got now kinda, though. Backstrom's out, and we don't know how long. Yeah, exactly. So you know, there, there's it's going to be an interesting series to watch. I think the Islanders are bringing 
um, the same style of play right to them and not backing down from it. Um, and, you know, they, they're, they're able to get that, that game one win, which is huge in any series. So, you know, if they can, if they can, you know, somehow get game two and go up 2-0 in the oh. series, watch out. Watch out. Yeah, the Cavs need this one. They need this one. They got to tie this thing up real quick. Be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, let's talk about uh, another uh, another kind of Cinderella story here. The Arizona Coyotes, your Coyotes, AQ, who you never saw coming. They make short work in Nashville. Here they are going against the powerhouse Avs. Everyone's fired up in Arizona. They're, they're dancing in the streets. Everyone's talking about Coyotes. We finally got a team. We got Phil Kessel. We got Taylor Hall. And they come out and just get goose-egged by the Avs and uh, 14 shots on goal. For- hey, let's relax here for a little bit because I know there's some Avs fans out there that really love this Avs team. And let me tell you, for 54 minutes, it was a 0-0 game. Somehow they scored three goals in four seconds. Don't understand how they did that. <laughs> I know I'm being a little bit facetious with how quick that was, but that was an impressive thing. And then you got McKinnon coming out with snipes today. I don't know if this is going out today or tomorrow. But anyways, I'm telling you right now, McKinnon with snipes. Dude's impressive. We've talked about him for years. Uh, there's a ton of talent on this Avalanche team. We get that. We understand that. It's still the Avs. They're still not there yet, I don't think, in the West. I still, I still think that – you know, they got to get through some guys before we can sit here and say, hey, they're a legit contender. Um, ton of talent. They're close. I just don't know if they're there yet. Yeah, quick update right now. We're recording during this game. The Avs and Coyotes are playing right now. It's 2-2 uh, middle of the second period. So it looks like the Coyotes have picked it up a little bit because you're right. McKinnon started out that game with a, with a he, an absolute just fucking horse stallion trot into the offensive zone on a breakaway and a quick snipe. Go ahead, Gump. Yeah, I've, I've- I like the Avs. They're a good team. But the Coyotes, they got, you know, they got experience with Kessel. They knocked off the Preds real quick. I mean, they're a solid squad. I think it still goes six to seven games here. You think? I, I was I was very curious to see how the Coyotes responded because Rick Tockett, head coach Rick Tockett, absolutely ripped them after the first game. He said the power play stinks. And I'm not paraphrasing. He literally went to the media and said it stinks. They didn't have the fortitude to score on it. They couldn't complete five-foot passes. Uh, coaches didn't tell them to hang back defensively, but they were. And said, uh, Tockett said they need to put their big boy pants on for game two. And it looks like so far they have still in it. Um, let's talk about the team real quick. Just real quick, the team they eliminated, the Nashville Predators. Uh, kind of surprising, but also not so surprising because the way their season had gone. Gumpy, you're, you're saying get them out. You're done with them. Uh, what, do you think we'll see some changes in Nashville? They already made the coaching change. Uh, do you think David Poyle, the GM's gone? Do they shake up that roster that's kind of filled with some questionable guys? Kyle Turris, uh, Matt Duchesne, they bring him in on the big acquisition, and uh, I don't know if it's worked out the way they wanted to. He seems to have a trouble everywhere he goes. they still got some good talent, though. Roman Yossi, great year, good leader, good defenseman. Victor Arvidsson, good young player. Philip Forsberg, good young player. So uh, you think we're going to see big, massive changes in Nashville? Do you think Poyle gets the ax? What's your prediction? I don't think you can trade Duchesne. You can, oh, you can't, and I don't think I don't they think will. Anyone's going to take him? I don't think he. I don't At think they point, will. But he was when he was on Columbus. He was on the prove it right to get paid. Yeah, he was unbelievable. No, you could. Every, you everywhere could. Everywhere else he's been, he has been an absolute problem. Yeah, uh, you could even go as far as calling the cancer, which was what they were doing in Denver. But you could, you could open him up for Seattle when the expansion draft comes. 
because he's a player that can he eat, is a talent yeah for all his shit he's he can on, score he's on q what do you think happens in nashville that, yeah I think uh, you said one name for sure that I think – I don't know what his situation is, whether he gets bought out or how that kind of works with Turris, but I think Turris is out of there. Um, I think there's going to be some other moves. I don't know what that's going to be. I think they got to figure out that goaltending situation because yep. for years and years and years, you thought Rene was the guy, and he was the guy. He was special there for about a three- or four-year period. Um, but, you know, you saw him kind of take a backseat to Soros this year. Yep. Soros looked shaky as well. So – you know, I think you got to kind of get that figured out. I don't think it was a very dissimilar situation than what we saw in Pittsburgh where you had, you know, you're kind of relying on somebody and then the guy shows up shaky in the playoffs. So I think, um, yeah, I think Nashville's going to see some changes. I don't know how much of an overhaul. I think the GM's safe per se. Um, but, you know, I think because he, he did a heck of a job kind of constructing that whole thing. I don't think they're just going to turn his back because of two struggling years in a row here. But I do think there's going to be some changes. You we, think they regret moving P.K. Subban? No, I don't, because P.K. is another guy, right or wrongly, that gets characterized as polarizing. And uh, it, it, when you look at a guy that's been moved that many times already, I'm sure they miss his skill on the ice, but it seems like uh, guys like that who get moved that regularly, there's something to it, right? Where there's, where there's smoke, there's fire. So I, I believe it was probably in their best, because they always have good defensemen. That's not something they need to replicate. Their, their problem seems to be finding scoring. And for as many centers as they have on that team, they seem to be still pretty weak down the middle of the ice. So I think they need to get back to trying to find like that Mike Fisher type, that guy that can play that good, solid two-way role and kind of provide some leadership for them. Uh, real quick, We'll talk about the Penguins as well because there was some there was some uh, interesting comments by GM Jim Rutherford uh, saying how this team needs to change, and he goes ahead and he basically just axes the entire assistant coaching staff. Uh, Jacques Martin, who was there for the two cups, he's gone. Sergey Gonchar, who was a legend in Pittsburgh, he was brought in to coach the defense. He's now gone after only a year or maybe two years tops. And then uh, Mark Recchi, who kind of filled in for that Rick Tockett role when he left to go coach Arizona running the power play. We, we, I think we thought that one was coming for sure because of how bad the power play struggled in the playoffs here. Uh, he said he's not going to move Malkin. He said he's not going to move Latang. We know Sid's not going anywhere. I'm not so sold on Latang. I'm not saying they should trade him, but I think uh, Jim JR likes to lie. He likes to lie. He likes to say things and then do another thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if Latang got traded. But what else can they really, really do to shake this team up? They've got it. They don't have a ton of cap flexibility, and they've got some young guys. They got Gensel, and he's locked up now. And and they got uh, you know Teddy Bluger, who who looks solid. So, and he's not a scorer, but he's a depth player. But what can they really do to this team to make these significant changes they're talking about that need to be made? Yeah, it's a good question because I think they're in a in a world of hurt when it comes to the cap. I think they they got some issues, you know, especially with uh, in addition to the guys you said that they're not going to move. I think they got some modified no move clauses as well with yep. Zucker and Hornquist. So Zucker's you know, not going anywhere. Ten ten million on the books. Yeah, they just so, they're giving up that first um, round pick next year for Zucker. They they protected this year's, which will be the fifteenth. There's no way they they dump on Zucker this early. Hornquist is a guy who's older, but he's still one of the only guys who's going to the front of the net and providing that physicality. Brings energy. Yeah, and he's a guy that everyone on the team looks up to. So I don't. I, I'd be hard pressed to see him going anywhere. I think I think the two uh, no brainers I think to to the public I think have to be you got to get rid of Murray and you got to get rid of Jack Johnson in any way shape or form. I mean, if you look at 
I know I'm not an analytics guy. I know that. I know that completely. Oh, this is but interesting. You look at the advanced statistics here. <laughs> Jack Johnson was the worst player on the ice in that series. Almost every goal came at when he was on the ice. So, and this is uh, where I'm going with the GM Jr. likes the lie thing because he he basically went out there and said, you know. Uh, we like we like what Jack did. It was the other guy uh, on his ice that needed to do a little bit more. And they was talking about Justin Schultz, who happens to be a free agent. So they've got nothing to do with him. He's going to be walking. We know that they're, they priced it. He priced himself out of town. Jack Johnson, meanwhile, still here. So if he has to come back, you don't want the GM ripping you. And you also you prop him up to at least have a shred of trade value or have someone else take on that contract. Yeah. Get so, rid of him. So we'll see. I do agree with you. I think Murray's gone. Jari's going to be the guy. Uh, I think they're going to try and move Murray and get something for him before he becomes uh, unrestricted if they can. We'll see. Uh, now let's go back to the teams that are still playing again. Uh, Gumpy, your stars. Interesting situation there with Calgary. Uh, Calgary takes game one. And the Stars, I think they were the higher-seeded team in the series. I think everyone was expecting them to kind of make short work of this. Bishop doesn't start game one. Udobin gets the start and didn't really struggle or anything, but Calgary comes out, gets the win. And in game two, was just a, a fucking goal fest, just lighting it up. 5-4, Jamie Alexiak scores with a couple seconds left in the third to get the win. So you got to be feeling good at least back a little bit with some high morale after that. The only issue here, Nick, is is Dallas's defense is what it's been all year, right? Last night they're up two goals with seven minutes left, and they're on the power play. They give up a shorthanded with six minutes left. Then they take a penalty with three minutes left. Calgary ties it, and then Corey Perry. Say, Corey Perry's the best player we got going right now. He well, was involved in every goal last night. That's what you that bring him pass in for. To win the game was incredible. Beautiful pass, Alexiak. I mean, that's what you bring that guy in for. You know, he's not going to play big minutes, but you hope he has an impact in the few little minutes he does play. So Perry, a lot of people were questioning, like, does he still have it? Does he still have it? Looks like he's still got some jump, and he saved it for the playoffs, which is good news for the Stars. Uh, are you surprised though that Bishop comes back in Game Two? And then let's in four because he's a guy uh, traditionally with that start team. I know you're talking about the defense this year, but traditionally that team recently in recent years, at least has been a defensive lockdown, shut it down, you know, two, three goals at most type of team. And then here we go. Bishop comes in his first game. Or do you think that's just like, okay, he was a little bit rusty, had some time off or is Calgary just that good on offense? That's so that's what I'm going with, Nick. Anytime there's pucks on net, they are crashing the net. I don't know if you saw that picture from last night where literally every player on the ice was in the crease oh, yeah. around Bishop. I mean, they are attacking him, and you see he's kind of backing off a little bit. So I think it's going to be hard, or hard for him to get as hot as Dallas hopes. I'm a little worried here. And then Matthew Kachuk, the Flames uh, spark plug, basically huge energy guy. Kind of You can call him a pest if you want because he gets under the, team, under the other team's skin. He looks like he's going to be banged up a little bit moving forward now. He had a bunch of issues in the last game, so we'll see. He went off the ice five times last. I mean, Jamie Benn got him with a nice little cheap shot in the – and I'll tell you what, if there was one team that was going to be able to stand up to him, it's the Stars because you name it Ben and Perry. Those guys will carve you up, 
and they're not afraid to punch you around as well. And Perry and Kachuk did drop them in game one. So, uh, you know, Kachuk can do all he, he can run around all he wants in this series, but that's a team that's going to bite back. They're not going to sit back and take it. Uh, finally, let's talk about Vancouver and St. Louis. And admittedly, this is the one I have got to see the least. I was on a flight while they were playing last, but I did see Vancouver light it up. I think it was 5 2. And Troy Stetcher, the. The, the good defenseman who doesn't isn't known for his offensive prowess gets that game-winning goal and he points up a little salute to the sky for his late dad who passed away not too long ago. Uh, that was a, that was a nice little moment for Troy and uh, Vancouver. Gumpy, your Canucks. You're, I know you're not a fan, but you live in the area. It seems like the boys here, AQ. You're ta- you were talking about them earlier. Sneaky good. They they might be the team out in the West here. Like what's going on, boys? Canucks team, young and hungry. The boys are fired up right now. There's a lot of Canucks fans out here, and they love it. Pierre Lebrun actually tweeted. I don't know if you saw this. He compares this Canucks team to when Taves and Kane were coming yeah, through. Yeah, I did see that. Oh, oh is Hold that Bubs? Jesus, Bubs is losing it. Hold Gump, on. Gumpy's dog liked that. He liked that comparison. Uh, Q, what's what's your take on the Canucks right now? Because it's, it's awesome to see because they were, they were kind of struggling there for a while in mediocrity, and they, they bounced back. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I said it. I said it earlier. I think uh, before we got on the air here, and I think this might be the best team in the West. I mean, this is the team to beat in the West. I mean, they've looked the strongest. They've looked like the best team coming out of uh, the quarantine, and you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be real interesting to watch because I don't think very many people gave them a shot, and now you know you you could get the whole Canadian train kind of ro- rolling on your side, playing in Canada in the quarantine bubble, and. You know, this is this is a team that came out firing on all cylinders, and, and like I said, I said it earlier. I think this is a team that has a chance to go kind of all the way to the cup. It's interesting too because the Blues go on that miracle run last year. They go from worst to first when Barube takes over. Uh, they win the cup. Jordan Bennington just you know puts up these incredible numbers, plays his ass off. They go into this season, and you don't hear a ton about them. You know, they they just kind of did their job, kept kept rolling, and and they weren't blowing the doors off of anybody, but they were solid, steady, dependable. They weren't back down in the in the standings or anything. They were they were right there where you expected them to be, and they've kind of done the same thing through the playoffs here. They're, you, you're not seeing a lot of highlights from them. You're not hearing a lot of news about them. They're just kind of going out there doing their jobs. And then th- does this worry you at all that game one they come out here to this young Canucks team and and just get smoked 5-2? It doesn't worry me because I think that this is a team that obviously knows how to – I mean, if you win a Stanley Cup, you know how to you know how to fight through adversity. It's that simple. I mean, there's you don't, you don't go, you know, all the way through a Stanley Cup thing. And not to mention – they were the, one of the worst teams in the league last year until they until they flipped that switch, you know, what, what, at whatever point it was in January. And so they've obviously know, known how to get through adversity, push through adversity, and obviously come out on top. So, you know, I don't. I think if there's one team that you don't have to worry about being down like this, it, it, it's them. I mean, they got obviously the firepower. They got the coaching staff to, that was able to push them through last year, uh, and they got the goaltending. So hopefully they can rely on that and you know climb back into the series. But the Canucks look awesome. I think with the Canucks, too, they won the last round without Markstrom playing well. Yeah. And he looked good in game one. And Bennington just doesn't look like himself. I don't know. He just isn't the same guy right now. And the Canucks, they just came out flying. And they kept going all game. So <laughs> the Canucks are everybody's high on him right now, man. That's the one thing that will sink the Blues quick. If Bennington isn't himself, is he, if he isn't up to that level he was last year, they could be looking at an early exit, and that would be tough to stomach for the Blues because the team in front of them, or a team in front of Bennington, 
doesn't change much and they're still solid from top to bottom uh one more thing before we get out of here that i meant to mention earlier that i forgot to claude julian canadian's coach had to be transported out of the bubble not covid related he had a stint put in uh coronary artery uh so wish him well hoping the best even though he spanked the penguins around again just like he did with the bruins uh, in 13 14 in that playoff series claude man he's been around the game a long time he's going back to montreal so uh kirk muller the assistant coach is going to take over for the canadians for the foreseeable future so uh we wish him well hope he's safe hope he's healthy hope his family's safe everything like that um that's it for us. Follow along with everything here at PMI on YouTube. There'll be a couple clips from this show on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash the Pat McAfee show. Go to the store, uh, store doc, store My brain just quit on me there for a second. Uh, there is a, there is, I hate to say this, but there, there is a updated flyers cheat code shirt in the store now because we got a bunch of requests from flyers fans and, you know, being the, uh, nice objective hockey fan that I am, I felt like we owed it to them to you know yeah you know, it's a good move yeah shut up you picked them to yeah. win the cup i don't AQ's hear aq's got one on pre-order <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then uh, we'll be back with another episode next week we may have to get interesting in how we record it might have to do it over zoom or something because we're going to be down in orlando for uh the fight eight days away we got fight week next week pat is taking on adam cole at nxt takeover so be sure to watch that as well because we got to rally the troops here we need people on pat's side because the internet the wrestling internet is a vile wicked despicable place and they are coming after pat and i don't like it so we need you pmi guys we need you pmi pmi gals to come to the support of pat stand up for him online don't let him get don't let him get fucking cyber bullied by all these wrestling nerds we ain't having it we ain't standing for it other than that boys anything anything you want to add before we get out of here take it all in boys watch every fucking game you can it's beautiful that a boy q send us home cheers boys that talk you talk